Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. One of the major economic battles of our interconnected world, of course, has to do with the production of semiconductors. Uh, Last year, when passing the CHIPS Act, major subsidies were added to increase our domestic production of semiconductors. There were a number of lawmakers uh, supported the move as a way to counter China's own subsidized chip production. Uh, But there are signs coming out of China that their subsidies to produce these chips may not be having all the effect that they were hoping for. So why is that the case? What can we learn from that? Most important, uh, we always look to Eric Baim, a reporter at Reason, who covers economic policy, trade policy, and elections. Uh, And Eric, you have a great piece on uh, the fact that China is scaling back uh, some of their policies around semiconductor uh, and industrial policies. Tell us about that and then what we should learn from it. Yeah, good to be here as always, Boyd. Thanks for having me. Uh, This is uh, coming out of a report Uh, actually in Bloomberg about a week ago, Um, and of course getting any sort of of uh, China regarding, you know, the, the backroom dealings of the of the Chinese government is somewhat fraught. But uh, Bloomberg reports that China is pausing massive investments aimed at building uh, their their own chip industry, their chip industry, um, and that they're doing that in part because top officials are uh, concerned about the fact that these subsidies have cost a lot of money and haven't really borne much fruit. And they've uh, also encouraged a bunch of graft and like the, the industry there is just not performing thought. And so, uh, you know, China's kind of new to this game, I think, and so we can forgive them. But like those of us in America who follow fiscal policy are well aware of the fact that like if you heavily subsidize an industry, uh, it tends to not be as competitive. And that seems to be the lesson that China is learning. The unfortunate side of this is that like we just went through an entire year in which we heard lawmakers in Washington and the Biden administration talk uh, a lot about how we needed to do this exact same thing. We needed to ramp up subsidies for high-tech manufacturing, for semiconductors here in the U.S. to compete with China. Um, and it's and it's like we're not learning the lesson that we should already know about this. So, like That's not the way to go. Yeah, that's right. We, sh- we should have learned this lesson long, long, long time ago. We just threw out a few names like Solyndra and some of those things where we've had these massive subsidies. And, of course, it, it stifles innovation. Uh, it keeps the costs high. Uh, is there anything else interesting coming out of China? And, and then let's start looking at that application. Obviously, the big debate in Washington has been about how much more we've got to you know, juice that semiconductor industry so we can be independent of China. Uh, are we really just uh, kind of joining the circular firing squad there? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is based on, on nonsense to begin with, right? The fact that China's uh, semiconductor industry is, is lagging pretty far behind America's already anyway. Mm. The best uh, semiconductors in the world, the top 
you know, best chips uh, are, are mostly produced in Taiwan, are mostly produced in, you know, by the, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. Um, and of course, that comes with its own geopolitical issues there, right, just because of where Taiwan happens to be located. Um, but uh, a lot of the argument for this uh, $52 billion in public subsidies that uh, were approved as part of the Chips and Science Act to, to be dumped into uh, semiconductor manufacturing. This is money that's that's meant to be used to lure uh, producers here to the United States to build factories uh, here. You know, most of the argument for this was that, well, China is doing this. China is spending big on their semiconductor industry, and we don't want to fall behind. And, uh, you know, now we're seeing that Clearly, China is already changing course on this, uh, and I, I don't think uh, you know we will. Obviously, the, the bill passed last year, so that money is going to be spent. Um, but I, I just don't think it's going to really move the needle much, um, even when you look at what the uh, Chips and Science Act is supposed to do. You know, right now the United States accounts for about 12% of the global share of semiconductor manufacturing, and uh, the bill is supposed to push us all the way from 12% up to 14% by 2030. So well, it's a ton of money, but even even the proponents of this legislation admit that it's not actually going to do a whole lot. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately... We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, which is amazing when you look at a free market economy. Uh, ROI is supposed to factor in somewhere <laughs> along the way. Yeah. And when we get those government subsidies, we don't. I, I want to go back to something you alluded to, and there was a, a great quote in your piece from uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, of course, the majority leader in the Senate, uh, really making the case of why we needed to spend billions of dollars, uh, propping it up a little bit. He said, if we sit on our hands and do nothing, America will become a second-rate economic power. Uh, and clearly, clearly that's not the case. And clearly, uh, China is already learning maybe this isn't the best way to go about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this just misunderstands history and economics, right? Because like the thing that has turned China into one of the world's largest economic powers is its liberalization of its of its uh, policies, right? Mm. Over during the 90s and early 2000s. And there's been a lot of retrenchment in that regard over the last decade in China. There's been much more state investment in industries, state spending subsidies, things like that. Um, and then we've seen a slowdown in growth, like the lesson of, of China's rise, the lesson that the rest of the world should take, but especially the United States from China's rise is that if you free up the markets and if you let industry and you let capitalism work, like it, it works pretty good. Uh, and so instead we get this kind of like warped backwards understanding of all of that, where it's like, oh, well, China's spending all this money on the, you know, this, this argument basically goes that like to beat China, we have to be more like China. 
Uh, and then somehow that gets warped into some sort of like patriotic messaging that like this is about America first uh, or it's about, you know, promoting American jobs. And it just it, I don't know. It, it sounds good maybe in sound bites, But the moment you take like even a half step back and you start to try to line up these statements and try to like think about what is actually being said here, make a whole lot of sense. Um, I think Schumer's comments there, that was from July. Uh, are exactly right where he says, like, you know, there's nation states around the world that are heavily investing in science and advanced manufacturing. So we have to do it, too. Um, Like, no, that's not the way it works. Um, And there's also the fact that these semiconductor companies, Intel and Micron and some of the other big ones that are that are going to be a lot of this public money. um, They're they're massively successful major corporations that have uh, large amounts of money to invest on their own. Uh, In some cases, there's an Intel plant that was being built in Ohio even before the uh, Chips and Science Act passed. like So these investments are being made, um, and there's really no need for the government to get involved. There's no need for these subsidies uh, to, to be made. And if anything, they're just going to do what China is now seeing. They're, they're, they're just going to end up uh, encouraging craft, encouraging lack of competitiveness in the industry. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, it's an investment today that might look good, but I think that sows the seeds for problems down the road. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It does sound. I think it only sounds good in really short sound bites. I think everyone should have to take yeah. uh, some of these statements and actually read them out loud to themselves in front of a mirror, <laughs> and then it gets a little more complicated. Of yeah, I don't think following uh, China down that path is is actually uh, how we got where we are in terms of uh, our success as a nation. Uh, is there anything on the horizon though in terms of what we are doing here at home? Uh, that might lead us back towards uh, a little bit more of the the way we usually do business. Are these companies ready to step up and step in um, if the government just kind of stays out of the way? Well, yeah, as I said, and, and the New York Times reported last year about the balance sheets of some of these big uh, tech companies are, uh, are are quite full at the moment, right? Like they're doing very well. They're they're very profitable. Um, there's a lot of investment flowing into that space. Already, private sector investment. Like, there's not a need for government subsidies here because there are. Uh, it's it's easy if you want to build a semiconductor plant. There's an obvious demand in the world for these products right now, right? Yeah. So it's easy for these companies to get that financing. It's not something that governments need to be involved in. Um, and it and it what happens also when you end up with these huge buckets of taxpayer money being dumped on an industry is that then where a plant gets built becomes a political football too, right? It's not something that the company is deciding. So great example of that is Chuck Schumer, who you mentioned is, you know, obviously the majority leader in the set, uh, and he's from New York. And so one of the big investments that's been in is to be a a micron plant that's going to be built in New York. We've done some reporting at Reason about, like, the use of eminent domain to kick people off of their land to build that plant there. Uh, And so it's like... These types of uh, things, it's never just as easy as, oh, we're going to give this company some money and they're going to make more semiconductors. Um, it ends up becoming, uh, once the government is involved, it ends up becoming, you know, you don't have a choice anymore. You yeah. you know, you lose your land because we want this plant built here because we need, uh, you know, we need to have the press conference where Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden can stand there and uh, talk about how great it is that this uh, factory is in New York. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, Eric Bain, reporter for, at Reason, covers economic policy, trade policy. This is an important one. Uh, we should not be challenged following China into the subsidy market. That's just not the place to go. Top of the hour news is next. Stick around. Much more on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.